Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We are proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Pemberley Podcast. I think I'm more conscious of saying exciting now than the last time you called that out. Because we are the Chris Harrisons of the podcast world. (laughs) (laughs) It's still exciting. But this week, we wanted to chat a little bit about an event we both went to separately (laughs) recently Mm -hmm, in LA, which was very exciting. Jillian, do you want to talk a little bit about the event? Sure. So just to set the scene, we have been very open about our love of the show, The marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We have, honestly, I feel like anything Mrs. Maisel related I've ever been to, we've been to together. Essentially, we went to a four-year consideration campaign event this year, and we have participated in those for the last two years together. And you and I went to the Paley Fest event together with your mother too. Yes. Um, (laughs) And that was very fun. So basically, I was very impressed with this four-year consideration campaign event in COVID it's just 10 times harder to bring people together to have fun. I gotta say, I don't really understand how these events work. Why can we get tickets to this? We can't (laughs) vote for the I know. So I'm very appreciative because it's all free. These events are typically just for Emmy voters. And so thankfully, like they were giving out these free tickets to this drive-in event to see a screening and get like all this free stuff and free food. And so Jillian actually sent me the link. I tried, we both tried to get tickets at the exact time that it went live. And I think because the system was overwhelmed with like thousands of people trying to get tickets at the same time, it felt like no one got tickets. So we were not going to get to this, go to this really cool event. But thankfully there was a phone number and an email. So I called the phone. Well, the phone number didn't do anything, right? (laughs) No, I mean, the voicemail was full. So I sent a politely worded email saying hi i didn't get tickets would love to if you have a couple thanks anyways bye and heard back from this lovely woman and got on the wait list hadn't heard anything and so i decided okay i'm just gonna follow up see if there's any new tickets i did so on the first day of the event and she was like are you free tonight and i was like yes (laughs) like if i'm not I can be free yeah, tonight. Yeah, pretty much. So as you mentioned, like we went to that event with my mom and she's such a huge fan of the show as well. No way I could have not taken her. So we ended up going. We had such a blast. And it was like uh, at the top level parking garage of, at the Grove. So it's like you see like all of LA around you and it was really beautiful. So I was still on the wait list though for the Saturday event and happened to hear back and it was like, Jillian, do you want to go or like are you able to go basically and it was another one of those things where i was like i have no plans but even if i had plans i would ditch them for this (laughs) yeah in the world bc before covid we hung out every week and we would do stuff this is i mean like it sucks we didn't get to do it together but we still like had a similar experience that we get to share i realized it was really the first time because the only places i've been in covid are for the most part here my neighborhood and you know my parents house And so it was kind of like, I forgot that there were other neighborhoods in LA that were like thriving. So I asked my friend Charlotte, who lives in the same building as me, if she wanted to come. She was 
super down and we kind of got dressed up. It was like the first time I'd worn a dress in months <laughs> and um, took some pictures, m- mostly here at our building instead of there. But it was really cool there because it was so impossible to get tickets. I really had it in my head that this place would be just packed. And there really wasn't one. Like they let, I got, went into the garage, went straight up. Um, I used your name. <laughs> I'm sure they were suspicious. <laughs> But it was great. (laughs) They had delicious Cuban food that they gave us and as well as beautiful Mrs. Maisel tote bag with a soft blanket inside, some movie snacks. Oh, a mask. I love the mask that they gave us. It covers so much of my face. Yeah, it's a quality mask. It's like, that's what we're looking for now. We're like, ooh, what a great quality mask. (laughs) I know. No, it's fantastic. And yeah, we just had a really good time. I've never been to any kind of drive-in before. so Oh, really? Really. And so they told us at the event, they're like, be sure to like, turn your engine on every once in a while to keep your battery charged and when they said that I became very paranoid about losing my battery so I set a timer every 15 minutes made sure that my battery did not die it did not die at the end of the event they were like let us know if your battery died and we'll jump you and I was like oh that's really nice it was truly like a full service event and something that's not typical I will say of of other drive-ins because they had people going around to like clean your windows and all the way through like as you said like to jump your cars if your battery dies. So that was really something unique. I have been to a couple different drive-ins and have also run into the panic of batteries. So maybe I should have warned you about that because I actually, I took um, a separate little um, radio that I have. It's like a cheap little radio I got from Target. And so I take that to drive-ins. So I'm not paranoid about my car battery. No, that's genius. And it's funny because... (laughs) I feel like the only time I've ever been told to get a little radio is like in case of emergencies, you know, like if the big earthquake hits us and you need to get a hold of the news, have your radio. And I'm always like, I'm not going to use the radio. (laughs) And now I'm like, "Mm, you know what? Actually, I think radio is alive and well. Long live the radio. And uh, (laughs) so we recommend you check out season three of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel because it's really great. We should start talking about chapters 19 and 20 of Recipe for Persuasion. So previously on chapters 17 and 18, Ashna was able to complete her second challenge on the show by sheer luck. Now that Curry Dreams is on the line, she needs to step up her game and stop looking at Rico. (laughs) They're both getting very distracted by each other. (laughs) While I am so here for tension and a slow burn, I feel like we're getting an awful lot of action in flashbacks. And so chapters like this, where we're sort of just reading about the longing glances and the thought process and the the longing, I'm just kind of like, I hear you. I so appreciate this tension, but someone please make a decision or I will be trying to long for your teenage years slash showbiz love story. Pacing wise, I mean, we've just seen the second challenge, right? We're still in the beginning stages really of this show. So getting these flashbacks while they do inform a lot of like what's happened because there's so much that we don't know. I think we're also just ready for like, all right, just tell us your feelings or tell each other your feelings and we can get to the next part of you actually being together. (laughs) At the very least, I would like a conversation to take place between them where they're like, remember how we were in love 12 years ago kind of thing, you know, just something like that and then we can move on. Yeah, because I mean, they really haven't had just like a normal conversation. All their conversations have been really tense and short 
like right before filming. So it's not like they've had like this separate lunch or anything to be like, so what have you been up to for the past however many years? It's just like Ashna has wanted to keep that part of her life so separate. Like she's almost like paranoid of even being perceived as being friendly with him. She tries to keep their contact minimal to like avoid even facing her past because she is someone who continually keeps running from her past and is like just trying to like move on but not face the things that she needs to face it's a weird place and time for her right now because like Shobi's there Rico's there and she can't run away Ashna's really big on compartmentalizing her life. We get to hear a little bit about Rico's upbringing later on, and it's kind of sad that she's like, the best parts of my life cannot touch each other, or else they might ruin it. Fate has other plans. Fate is like putting everyone in the same room, which leads me to the beginning of chapter 19. I just want to say at the outset that 70% of this chapter is hot men holding a baby, and (laughs) I'm here for it, and I think that should happen in every chapter of every book ever, because they're still on set for like family day where everyone's friends and family are visiting the chefs and the celebrities on set it's kind of sweet and kind of sad so obviously Ashna has a lot of people to show up for her like her aunt Mina's there and Trisha's there I mean DJ works there so is Yash who is a busy guy and he showed up for this Rico has no one except his best friend Z who left his honeymoon in Hawaii to show up for his friend for a couple of hours for family day. Which is really, really nice. And I'm sure production was like, we will get you here and out as quickly as humanly possible. We just need to get a couple shots and you're back to your honeymoon. But yeah, I mean, as much as like Ashna tends to keep everything separate in her life, it is really nice that so many people show up for her and are there to support her. And the fact that Yash is there while he's campaigning (laughs) is really really great and I mean they get along so well so it's nice to see him but also Rico notices him because he is kind of a celebrity in his mind too you know he has been admiring Yasha's campaign and his platform and what he's been doing they end up meeting each other and of course they're both major fans of each other so they immediately like are both fanboying over each other they're like but your world cup win and that kick and he's like but your platform for the people they're like hyping each other up i really loved their bromance it was just like a wonderful thing to see and it's so funny because sonali goes in depth into the chapter of like what rico likes about his health care plan i didn't really understand it but like the fact that he like nerd boy word vomit his own plan to Yash and he was like dude I've never heard it explained so well you should write my like log line or speeches or whatever and he's like dude I'd love that I could do it now <laughs> got drafts in my phone <laughs> Yeah, he's like, yeah, if you just want to like read up on everything and internally Rico's like, I know everything about you. (laughs) Because like, I think the thing that they're noting is like Yash has this way of speaking that sometimes maybe isn't the most relatable to the everyday person. And so it feels like Rico would be a natural and great fit to partner with him to kind of translate a lot of that politicalness of it and into like, here's the message more relatable and here's how it actually applies to you. Even just from like their short conversation they like get along so well and it feels like they should team up they're kind of already a dream team and what's more ashna really loves this because you know she loves her family she loves rico and he was always this big secret sort of a big point of tension between them not that they talk about it to each other 
but they do know so much about each other and they used to love each other so much. They were everything to each other and her family has no idea. He comes over to their group and Ashna's like, here's my chef, here's the star. And they're like, oh, we know this guy. We know who he is. His feelings are kind of hurt because she left out the fact that she's the love of his life and he hopes vice versa. Then her aunt Nina is like, hey, didn't you used to live in the Bay Area for like a short period of time? Did you grow up near us or anything? And I'm like, holy crap, it's not even like they did this thing where she was like, yeah, this is my friend Rico. Like they had no idea he existed. And they almost get caught because she's like, Ashna, did you know him? And they're like, crap, crap, crap. But luckily, the whole time he's been holding Song's niece, the baby, and she chooses that moment to cry because she's dirtied her diaper. Yes. (laughs) And so everyone's like, oh, kids. Oh, man. Oh, this is cute. I know the timing of it because i that's something too rico is like looking around for ashna's father being like oh no is this the moment where i have to confront him after all these years we are halfway through this book and he still doesn't know That. Well, no, and that's what I'm saying about them having a conversation because that's sort of how the chapter opens is like it's family day. So he's like paranoid, like breaking out into a cold sweat, looking around for Brahm Rajay. And he's like, oh, good. He decided not to come to Ashna's thing. And I'm like, I feel like we can make the argument that Brahm's death was like one of the most defining moments of Ashna's life. Yeah. And he has no idea that he's dead. And it's like sort of like a, a weird dynamic too, because it's like he's like, oh, well, thank goodness he's not here but also he's like but why wouldn't he show up to like support his daughter you know he because he doesn't know he's having like those conflicting feelings too of like not wanting to see him but also wanting the best for ashna and wanting to see her supported they just they need to talk I know, like there's like there's a moment where like, you know, when she introduces them and there's sort of this context of like, you didn't expect me to tell them now, did you? And I'm like, well, when is it going to be the right time? It just feels like everyone has so much to catch each other up on in their lives and there never seems to be a right moment to say when or where it is. Even that, I mean, it's all unspoken, right? Because it's sort of like they look at each other and they know what they're thinking. They're like, you didn't think I was going to tell them now? It's like they're communicating through their eyes and through looks because they know each other so well which is i mean what they were together for like a year two years or how long i think in in college so high school well not even like i feel like they broke up 18 was that pivotal age because i mean because i'm starting to really like look at the timeline in this chapter or another one we find out that they like met sophomore year and they were together for at least a year before things started to look kind of ugly. So probably like a year or a little over a year. In that time, I don't think they were together in college. Obviously, Brom died when she was 18, which is that, you know, senior year of high school, freshman year of college age. Obviously, they parted ways sometime before that. We're kind of just zeroing in on that timeline. And I feel like every chapter gets us a little closer to like what happened between them, you know, because we we get all these hints. Like we know that the reason Rico doesn't like Brahm is because he's like, you're trash. You're not good enough for my daughter. And then he's like, Ashna sided with him. And so I never saw her again. But we don't know if there was like events leading up to that. And then and we kind of don't know what happened immediately after. I mean, I guess we know that Ashna took off to Paris to go to culinary school, but we get sort of moments of, it even says here on page 229, the look Ashna gave Rico was stubborn as hell. Every bit new Ashna, and that's capitalized, new Ashna. It's a good reminder that like, there's a big difference to them between 
the people that they were in high school, who they were to each other, what their hopes and their dreams were, and the people that they turned out to be. She has no idea what she's doing in the kitchen because she didn't give a crap about food <laughs> when she was younger. So it's just still a lot of like figuring things out. And as much as Rico notices that about her, when we have chapters from her perspective, she also notices that about him of like, oh, he wasn't like this very charming guy who would command a room. He wasn't this type of person. She doesn't say new Rico, but in the same way, she's also like, who is this new Rico? They don't know each other, but they know each other. <laughs> it's an exactly. interesting dynamic. And, you know, one of the things that Yesh and also Z compliment Rico on is the fact that the soccer team's PR is like squeaky clean. That like, it's a bunch of men in their 20s and 30s screwing around. You know, they're paid all this money. They're athletes so they can do whatever they want. And Rico was kind of the one that instilled into them the idea of, look, I know you want to let off steam. I know you think you're untouchable. You're not untouchable. And so it says on page 233, it's all about understanding and respecting the public's interest in you. They want something from you all the time. Either you feed them or they come after you for it. And that's just such an insightful understanding of like being in the public eye. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, he's saying that there's a no cover-ups policy. So if, like if something really bad were to happen or if like there's a major scandal that these guys are involved in, they're not in the business of like covering that up of being like, oh no, everything like there's a misunderstanding. Like, no, they're not in that business at all. So it's like you are going to take responsibility for your actions still. Like we're not here to sort of only present like the squeaky clean image it's like here's the real image and the real image is that you need to get your life together and grow up and be mature about this yeah and it's like just sort of a refreshingly honest take on how to manage your life in the being in the public eye i feel like a lot of people have that instinct to cover things up and hide things and i mean it even says later down on the page um being pablo silva's son and growing up in open secret meant rico had navigating his way around public opinion in his blood. I feel like that's something that we've definitely been exploring and will continue to explore as Rico struggle that like he and his mother were essentially a secret. He was not like acknowledged as this like star's son. And so he had to learn a lot about being loved and but also being hidden and like what people expect from you and how much does that really matter? You know, I bet that was really hard for him too. Yeah. And I mean, you think of celebrities really who like either find fame very quickly or find it overnight and how they very quickly have to also navigate that very tricky path of like, how much do I share? How much do I post or anything like that? And a lot of like these celebrities who have their kids who are inevitably in the spotlight too, it's like trying to shield them from everything. But weird that like that must be a talk and lesson that they have to have with their kids of like, you know, this is going to happen. Random people are going to reach out to you. Like that must be a weird conversation to have. So it's like something that Rico has always had top of mind because he just grew up around it. Especially it, m it must be so difficult going from feeling like nobody notices you because that's another thing that we deal with is like he his parents died and then he moved to a new country and all he had was this aunt Ashna was the only person who really saw him and so you go from that to like being a celebrity overnight where everybody sees you it's a big adjustment and I think he's done a very good job of handling that 
a little bit back to the bromance of Rico and Yash. Like they're really getting along and like he does pitch that idea of like, what if like you turned my policies into bite-sized things, you know? Rico's like, his heart starts beating. He says like, in a primal way he hasn't felt since he ran out to the pitch. So like the high that he's getting from even hearing that is like the same of like being in a major game. The fact that that's comparable is is really funny. Well, and I hope, I mean, like this whole time I was like, oh my God, I'm, like I'm here for this bromance. I'm living for it. I know this is technically Rico and Ashna's love story, but I think there should be like a novella about Yash and Rico's love story. <laughs> Here's what I think is being set up here because we kind of skipped over this, but Mina mentioned the fact that she knows that Rico is retiring and he's like what do I do for the rest of my life now that I can't play soccer it's great that he's there's all these other avenues he's a smart guy and he sees that like he can be successful elsewhere in the world doing other things so IDK hopefully Rico is going to be part of like the Yash Rajay campaign they can rule over California I would love to live (laughs) in California I'm sure it would be good PR to have him on the campaign. I mean, I'm sure it would be questionable, right, at first of like, why is this soccer star helping with this campaign? I'm sure people wouldn't be on board immediately. But I think seeing just like how passionate uh, Rico is about it, then people would come around to it. I don't disagree. So his good friend Z comes over and he's like, I got to get back to my beautiful wife who's in Hawaii without me because I'm here to support my best friend who has no friends. But then he and Ashna kind of get into an argument is not the right word, but they have a bit of a spat about if men or women are like more manipulative in relationships. Because on 234, he explains, that they've been together since we were 18. You know how we men are. If we imprint on you young, you've got us forever to do with us as you please. I feel like Ashna doesn't believe in this because she's probably sure that Rico doesn't love her anymore. And that's like also kind of a parallel to their relationship. But she goes off on, or you men want us to believe that so we can never let you go and you can use our dependence to do as you please. And I was like, yeah. Overall, they have like a good banter. And then as Rico is walking Z out... (laughs) He's like, oh, so she's the reason you're doing this show. And he's like, what are you talking about, dude? And he was like, don't even play games. I mean, I'm glad that someone has picked up on it. I think it would be very difficult to not pick up on it. You look at it on TV and you have thousands of people who are tuning in because they see the on-screen chemistry. And that's one thing, right? To like be like, okay, great. They get along on, on TV and people are just going to speculate as they do. But to see it in person and to see like, oh, there's like this real tension between them and clearly there's some history there is undeniable. So at least for Z, who's being a little bit more observant, he's like, something's going on here. He very quickly points it out. <laughs> Z ends with the Rico I know would try to find out why because from where I'm standing it looks like she would very much like to acknowledge knowing you. Yeah and then with that we can go into chapter 20 which is a flashback chapter from Rico's perspective when they were teenagers. So this is in the middle of their relationship of you know that what we've heard about for so long you know we got to see the moment where they initially met and how they kind of bonded but now this is like really they're together they're in love and they're very much so hiding their relationship from from everyone and Rico is in a place where he is so in love with her that he kind of excuses the fact that she wants 
wants to hide him from her family. And he kind of continually finds excuses and outs for Ashna of like why it's okay. And that's really because he is used to it because of his father. He's almost used to being kept a secret like his whole life, which is really sad. And the fact that he's now still getting um, treated this way um, in his first like really major relationship isn't the most healthy thing either. The fact that he feels like he needs to still be hidden and is fine with it, that's not okay. No, I think it's even really sad. Like the first one, like opening sentences is there was no connection between being hidden and being loved. His father had hidden him and his mother his entire life. And, you know, he still says that there was like a lot of love in their family. But it also says on the next page as a teenager, the idea of meeting anyone's parents made the memory of his parents in caskets come alive. So I feel like he's also like doing this thing where he's convinced himself that he doesn't want to meet the family because it would make him too sad that he doesn't have a family to introduce Ashna to as well. So really we get like this chapter is really kind of a lot of like background on Rico at this time and a lot of like his own internal thoughts of like what what's going on and what he's processing but he just like really wants to be around her and something that he does actually because he can't see her on the weekends because she's working at the restaurant is he will drive around the restaurant and even park across the street and just kind of be near her you know be in the vicinity she has no idea that he's been doing this He's just a, a lovesick puppy who uh, wants to get a glimpse of his girlfriend. Like he leaves his smoothie shop job just to go to Palo Alto to like look at Korean dreams. It's part of that like he knows that he's not supposed to know or like be near the restaurant because that's like family Ashna. Rico can't touch Ashna's family. He just goes over there one day. You know, he has this attitude. It says, if Rico pushed or asked too many questions, a wall came down around her. Truth was, he and she, they were enough for each other. If there was a part of her life she needed to keep away from him, he didn't care. But why are you standing outside her restaurant then? Yeah, I actually underlined that same sentence because I think it's really sad that he's actually convinced himself that's true of like, oh no, no. Like if she, if she wants to keep me separate, that's cool. Like he's just so deep into that mentality of like no being hidden can still mean love like that's fine I'm like is this a toxic relationship for both of them actually like is this not a good thing I totally I've thought about that as well obviously because I'm rooting for them I'm inclined to say no but I do think they are very young they are trying to navigate a lot of barriers that are kind of out of their league the truth is Ashna does love Rico she is crazy about him like he's not delusional in imagining that she loves him it's kind of like you're too young to understand that like lasting love should mean that like these things won't stand in the way of being together but the only way they knew how to do it was to hide it I also kind of love this next sentence I like drew a rectangle around it where he said don't cross the street he cross the street. (laughs) I mean, like, because I think part of it is like, I'm sure he wants a family himself. All these things he's telling himself of like, I want to give her space. I want her to have a private part of her life. I don't want to like crowd her or whatever. I do think that part of him, he's lying to himself about being okay with that because I think he wants to be a part of a family. I think he wants, like, he wants to be a part of every aspect of her life, and he just can't do it right now. I watched um, a video recently of Sonali kind of talking through the book. Obviously, we have, like, sort of these mirror images between Ashna and Rico, and then you see Shobi and Brahm and Omar, and then you see Rico and his family life of, like, these really two couples who weren't great, and in Shobi's case, she was forced into that marriage, and 
in Rico's mother's case, like she was always a secret. So you have like these two kids who are collateral damage really of these two unhealthy situations and are now trying to navigate what is a healthy relationship? What does love look like? What what does it look like to like be open with each other and have that healthy relationship with other people? They don't know that because they didn't have that necessarily. So it's really, you know, they've, they've found that in maybe other friendships and other relatives, but direct family and like from a very young age, they didn't necessarily have that. So at teens, trying to navigate that is incredibly tricky. Present day, all those years later, have they truly faced that? And it's like, I don't think they have. They won't even talk to each other outside of being next to each other when the cameras are on. In a way, I feel like Ashna and Rico like ruined each other for other partners yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're like, they learned so early on like what real love is and what it's like to be supported and loved and understood and seen. Then it ended in such a horrible, ugly way that they're like, okay, I guess, you know, the idea is to recreate that with another person who's emotionally yeah. available to me. Not even considering that they're the ones who are not emotionally available. They're not looking for someone like Rico or someone like Ashna. They're look like she's looking for Rico. He's looking for Ashna. I mean, I guess to answer the question of is this a toxic relationship? Yes, with an asterisk of like, I think that they were raised in some toxic relationships. And this is them loving each other the only way that they know how. I think now that they are older and they have seen more of the world and more of love and have a different understanding of what they want from each other. I think that they have the power to fix it. They're not doing Mm -hmm. it right now because they're not talking to (laughs) each other. But when they decide that they want to open up to each other and be real about what happened and who they are now, because, you know, we've been talking about it the whole time that they're different people now, you know, because they feel like they could also fall into the danger zone of pining for somebody who doesn't exist anymore. Like 17-year-old Rico doesn't exist anymore. 17-year-old Ashna doesn't exist anymore. Like they need to be real about wanting the person who's in front of them. And I feel like right. we should have a dating and relationship. <laughs> Pod- this is sort of what this is turned for into. Fictional fiction- for fictional characters. For fictional characters. We should be shrinks for like all the big relationships in literature. This is our next thing, Yolanda. This is, this is our next thing. <laughs> <laughs> So Teen Rico has crossed the street. He's headed into Curry Dreams. Doesn't really know what he's headed in for. Ashna is the hostess, I believe. So she's there at the front. They see each other. And it's almost like this unrecognizable moment where he's not sure it's Ashna because she's so dressed up and is more formal for the restaurant. And he's just there in like a simple t-shirt. His Smoothie King t-shirt, which is like a great detail in there. Ashna just immediately goes into like, I don't know you do you have a reservation and that catches him so off guard he went there just to get a glimpse of her he, you know who knows what kind of reaction he was expecting maybe like oh my goodness rico you're here like that uh, you know maybe a normal reaction <laughs> i mean i think we've learned that rico makes very impulsive decisions yes when it comes he does to Ashna. so i don't think he like went there with a plan i think he was just like Ashna, and then he just kind of like parked him in front of curry dreams actually that parallel is great between like this impulsive decision to go to visit her at Curry Dreams and the d- impulsive decision to be her partner on a cooking show is pretty similar because he walks in and she's like, who are you? And then when they go for the show, he walks in and she almost like cuts off her toes and is like, who are you? So I... same. See, not everything's changed. <laughs> Oh, 
But what's really sad is one of her relatives comes up to her, came to her and whispered something in her ear. He knew what the woman had said had cut her off at the knees and that she was struggling to stay standing. So after that, she basically is like, take care of this gentleman. And Ashna runs into the back. This is, I feel like, a really big clue. Someone's just told Ashna something earth shattering. We have no idea what it is. I don't know, because part of me is like, is this where Brahm has shot himself? Because it happened yeah. to Curry Dreams. But the other thing is, I thought I remembered reading earlier that like Ashna was the one who discovered his body. I feel like this might not be it, but I think that like just based on how scared and worried Ashna looks, it is probably Brahm related. I think so. It's either maybe it's like a near death thing. It could be. I don't quite think it is that moment either because like maybe there would have been more panic and more urgency around it too but also if they have a very full restaurant you don't want to create panic either we don't know yet um what it could have been but she disappears and rico's just left standing there like my girlfriend won't even acknowledge my existence and that hurts it's no and it's really hurtful i (laughs) it's funny i'm thinking fondly on a memory when i was like 19 i worked at macy's and my friend worked at nordstrom there was a lot of pressure on her to sell nordstrom cards and so she called me one day and she was like would you please come in and like get a nordstrom (laughs) so i did that like but It was really funny because we were trying so hard to act like we didn't know each other and that wasn't necessary. Like I could have been like, oh, Rebecca, what are you? Oh, is it your shit? Like, but it was just the whole time she was just like, do you want a Macy's card? And I was like, yes, that sounds great. I was the only one she sold it to and they were like happy for her but it was so hard not to act like we knew each other and I but that was like a fun thing and so I can't imagine what it's like where this poor little sappy lovesick puppy dog is just like Ashna and then he just like walks (laughs) like just stumbles into her work still in his work uniform she is like holy crap her eyes get huge. She's like, can I help you, sir? And then she gets some kind of devastating news. We don't know what it is. She runs out and he just leaves, just hurt. I think it's getting harder and harder for him to convince himself that he's okay with being her dirty little secret. It's a great song. It is an amazing song by um, All American Amer- Rejects. All American Rejects. Yep. Another song I think that's used in John Tucker Must Die. Which I was going to say, it's like it's used in a lot of like early 2000s movies. <laughs> which is sort of the 21st century version. Version of Mr. Malcolm's List. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of how we end the chapter. Stay tuned and we'll get into it. <laughs>